0: Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. And uh, I felt the Lord said, no, you need to bring that again on Sunday night. And so um, I'm grateful to bring it to you tonight. Same message, if you were here on Friday night, may you get even more than you got out of it the first time. Because I know some of you are distracted with your phones and things going on. So, Luke 18, verse 35, if you're all there, say amen. All right, Luke 18, verse 35. Then it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I want you to say that with me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Go on now, engage your heart and say it. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still And commanded them to be brought to him and when he had come near he asked him saying what do you want me to do for you and he said Lord that I may receive my sight and Jesus said to him receive your sight your faith has made you well let's all say that your faith has made you well and immediately received a sight And followed him glorifying God and all the people when they saw it gave praise to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the fact that we get to freely gather and be here right now without hindrance or regulation. And I'm asking that you would move in this service in the time that remains that we would be encouraged, that we would be strengthened, that we would be equipped, that you would do what you want to do through this service, that you would touch the hearts of each and every person, those online, those that will listen in the future, everyone, every, every child, boy and girl, that you would pour out your spirit and anoint these lips of clay once again, that it would act be activated in our heart, God, knowing that your word is a lamp unto a feet of light upon our path. So have your way In Jesus' name, amen, you may be seated. I grew up in Long Island, New York. How many of you know where that is? And uh, it's relatively close to New York City, uh, specifically Manhattan. I'll never forget driving in. My brother Chris was with me. There he is. And uh, my brother John, we were in the back seat of, I don't know, probably a station wagon, which used to be the thing. I think it's suburbans and larger vehicles now. And as we were driving in the city, we were going down a street called the Bowery. And I don't know the condition of the Bowery now, but back in the 70s, before some of you were born, that was the place where there was a gathering of the broken, broken alcoholics, drug addicts, people that slept on the street. I mean, and I had never seen that. I, mean, I remember specifically as a child looking out the window, and I remember Dad saying, lock the doors. I think that's before auto locks and seatbelts. Lock the doors. So, I mean, we understood, like, lock, lock, lock the doors. He you know, locked the doors. And I remember looking, and people holding signs or trying to wipe the window or whatever happened. I just remember it really marked me of what a hopeless, it seemed so hopeless and so, so sad to me as a little, little boy. And I mean like, you know, five and six years old. It was a hopeless, it just seemed hopeless. Now, I, I don't know where you've come from. Maybe you're listening right now. You might be addicted. You might be addicted to alcohol or crystal methamphetamine. You might be in a broken down and out place. I want to tell you that there's hope for you. I want to tell you that you can make it, that God can heal you. God can set you free from every bondage. God can deliver you, heal your broken heart, give you recovery of sight and healing of the broken heart and restoration to your life. He can do it. He can do it, I said. He can heal your marriage. He can heal your kids. He can heal you of trauma. There is no hopeless situations in life. I want you to say that. There is no hopeless situations in life. Listen to the rest of it. Only people who've grown hopeless. Only people who've grown hopeless. Because with God, he's a God of all hope. And he can change, he can heal, he can deliver, he can provide with God. Nothing is impossible. And that which people are looking for at the end of a bottle, at the end of whatever they're partaking in, it never satisfies, will be found in Christ and in Christ alone. All other ground is sinking sand on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. I've stand. i discovered and found out the secret of life, and you know it is? Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and all your strength, and seek first his kingdom, and he'll add all things. This situation here, blind man, we don't know his name here, but we do discover his name in the book of Mark chapter 10. His name is Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus. Blindness in the first century prevented one from working and reduced them to being a beggar. And begging was sanctioned. It was was allowed. And if you study culture in that day, they were given actually a garment, a cloak, a begging garment or cloak. And you see in Mark that he has that. It doesn't talk about that here, but he was a beggar. He had no hope of, of, of working a job or getting a paycheck. He's blind. Now today, you know, we have Braille and we have, we have jobs that people that are blind can do. And, and God can bring recovery of sight. Can you say amen? And so it's not hopeless. Some of the greatest musicians were blind. But to be blind was to be poor and to be hopeless. Such is the condition of this man, who we know as Blind Bartimaeus. The blind man had vision before he sees. I've, I've entitled the message, Sighted. On Friday night, I brought in a high-powered rifle with no bullets. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. And I talked about when I first came to Alaska, I began to learn about rifles I've always admired weapons. I like guns. Anybody like guns? Come on. I like guns. I have multiple guns. I have an amazing one tonight. Let me show you this. Oh, that might scare people. I won't bring that out. Okay. I'm I'm kidding. Actually, I I do carry, uh, but when I preach, just so you know, the Lord said you're not going to carry when you preach and minister. I said, okay. Of course, half the congregation's carrying tonight, so it's all right. But... (laughs) (laughs) He said, no, you're not going to carry because I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. And so I, I don't worry about that. But I learned about guns. They have to be sighted in. I mean, we have a .22 that if the, you know, the, the sight was off a little bit, you miss. And with a high-powered rifle, you know, you need, they use lasers and do all kinds of things. It has to get sighted in. So I went to go hunting and never killed anything, but I have this amazing Browning rifle. And they told me, oh, you need to go get that sighted in at 100 yards, take it down to this gun shop, and they'll sight it in. And so they did. I tried to go shooting with it before and couldn't hit anything, couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. But after I got sighted in, I was improved. This blind man was what I would call sighted. He had vision even though he couldn't see. Even though he couldn't see, his vision actually released sight to him by his own faith. And I'm going to show you this here in the text. Although he was blind, he had eyesight that Jesus was the Messiah. He understood that Jesus was Messiah. How do you get that, Pastor Daniel? Well, right there when it said Jesus, Son of David. I I had you repeat it. Everybody say it again. Jesus, Son of David. That is a messianic salutation, tying into the Old Testament where God spoke to David and said, "You'll never cease to have a descendant on the throne." And so, when somebody was called the Son of the Son of David, is the Messiah? It is the Savior. So when. Bartimaeus, and we know his name again from Mark 10, heard that Jesus was coming by. He cried out, understanding that he was Messiah. Most of the people there, I would say, probably didn't know that. Well, they'd seen the miracles, and they were following him because, because he had it. He had power, but I don't think all of them knew he was the Messiah. Here this blind man cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. I love how it says that he asks, what's going on, this commotion? And they say Jesus of Nazareth is walking by. Now, how did he know that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah? How did he know to use that, to use that term, that revelation, how did he have vision to understand that Jesus of Nazareth was the son of David? i want to tell you how. Somebody witnessed to this boy. Somebody told him. Oh, man, did you see what he did with those lepers? They were jacked up, and they're all cleansed now. If you ever hear about this Nazarene coming by, just cry out for him. He's the Messiah. Ooh. He is. He's the Messiah. If he ever comes by here, boy, you just call his name until he helps you. You might get a set of eyeballs. Wow cried out for mercy, cried out for mercy, We he saw that Jesus was moved by the needs of others, cried out for mercy. And, and I have to say also that this cry of faith, you know, they told him to be quiet. You know, I don't mind people getting loud in church. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody so broken and so desperate. I don't mind that at all. King have seen people holler. I've seen people holler in the flesh. We will minister to you outside and help you. But if you're broken and hungry and desperate, I really don't care what that looks like. And it's easily discerned. Easily. I know what it is to in my own life to be so broken that I'd had no way to go and I just wanted to die. And it wasn't, it wasn't just, but, but the Lord was the only one that was gonna save me and I learned to cry out to him. I know Pastor Kirsten's testimony. It's an amazing testimony Pastor Kirsten has as we was sitting in that car, I believe, at a church. And he said, God, nobody cares. And the Lord spoke to him and said, I care. Isn't that amazing? You've been serving God with your hair on fire basically since then because you realize that God cares. I'm going to tell you something, that God cares. And he responds to faith. And no matter what you're going through, he can help you, he can heal you, he can set you free. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble, and he's passing by tonight. Tonight, by faith, by the Spirit, he's passing by. He cares for you, Donnie. Come on, your whole family's alive. You could have burned in the fire, even got your dog. Oh, if you didn't get your cat, oh, pray the cat comes back soon in Jesus' name. Amen. What, Pastor Kirsten? He agrees. Hey, buddy. Come on, someone say, God loves me. But he responds to faith. He does not respond to need. He doesn't respond to your need. He responds to faith. And if in your heart tonight you can position yourselves to say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me, on my family, on my marriage, on my kids. Have mercy on me. He had mercy on you, Mitch. He had mercy. You could be having surgery or some horrible report. It will never Ever, ever, never, ever come back. God's a miracle working God. Come on, tap your neighbor and say amen. Come on, tap your other neighbor and say, he's a miracle worker. And it's interesting how religion will try to get you to shut up. I remember years ago, I was in a service and I was, I was just on, I'm, I'm the same now as when I was, when I first got saved, except I'm probably more crazy now and I have more knowledge in the Lord, even though I feel like I've just graduated high school or something at 54 or 53 or however old I am. <laughs> but I know I've been married 23 years, amen. <laughs> December 6th it's today. Anyway, I remember sitting in a service. We just had church. I think I ran around the church on that service. So I don't run in this church too often because I wouldn't want to kill anybody turning a corner. And I should write a book of the things that happened at the time. (laughs) The things that happened when I would run. Let me just tell you, what do you mean run? Oh. we would be worshiping God as before as a pastor, as a life group leader. Even before as a life group leader, I started running in 1995. And I thought, what is that about? Well, I'll tell you. I don't really understand it either. But when I'm worshiping God, there comes some there comes moments when I'm worshiping God, and all I can describe to you is my spirit wants to do something my body can't. And in those moments, I have found myself in a dead sprint. And I thank God that we're a part of a church that doesn't mind if somebody runs around the building. It's okay to run around the building. Now, don't run around the building to get attention because we'll trip you. Amen. (laughs) Pastor Crystal will be like. I'll just tell one story when I was running, and then hopefully I can remember what I was going to tell you. I was running this one service. I took off, and usually I, I, usually I kind of come to while I'm running, and I, re, and I can just feel the, I, I only know like a Hawaiian word, the ehukai of the spirit. It's like, I don't know how to describe it. It's a supernatural experience. I turned the first corner and was headed to the back. That was a large building. The sanctuary is about the size of ours, new one. And when I turned the next corner, there was a very large lady I didn't say large. I said very large. And I hit her. I threw the anchors out, but there was, no, there was nothing I could do. And I don't mean a jog. I don't mean this. You know what I mean? I mean like dead out, everything you got, straight fire, full blast. There's no stopping. And uh, as I hit this lady, boof, we spun. And we spun, and she let me go, and I spun off, and I kept running. And all I heard her say was, <laughs> Oh, people were falling out for the laughter of it all. <laughs> uh, what were they saying? Oh, yeah. They tried to shut up Bartimaeus. I'm going to tell you something. I will never allow the joy of the Lord to be shut up in this place. I will never allow weeping and crying and calling out to God. I will never allow that to stop. Now, there is out of order. When it's out of order, we'll correct it. Who's in charge of that? Me, along with my team. Because there are people that will come in to make a big loud noise, or so everybody will look at them and pull the attention off of Jesus. I can't stand it. I hate performance and displays of the flesh. Well, isn't there displays of the flesh when you have the move of the spirit too? Well, of course there is. And God's big enough to sort it all out, so I'm not worried about it. But if it gets really out of order, then we're going to have to help it. I'm so thankful that Dr. Morocco let me run because I got chains broken off of me when I would run. I would have things happen to me when I would run, and I would worship, and I would spin, and all kinds of stuff. People didn't even know, many people didn't even know my name. They'd be like, hey, I remember you. You're the guy that runs. I'm like... (laughs) So this one service after I had run, I was sitting with some, some folks and this well-meaning mother in the faith tapped me on the leg and said, oh, I, I remember when I was like that. I was like, wow. She said, it's the honeymoon, honey. It's the honeymoon with Jesus. I said, it is? She said, yeah, you're going to calm down. I I haven't calmed down yet. I'm telling you, you don't have to calm down. You don't have to be quiet. You don't have to shut up for anybody. You can let God, come on, if you're hungry and thirsty, say hallelujah tonight. Hallelujah. Man, almost scared me for a second. You guys, pretty loud. Say hallelujah one more time. Hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about. They tried to shut him up, and religion will do that. And you just behave yourself. Just stay put. Don't make too much noise. For God's sake, don't open that candy wrapper. (laughs) Obviously, that's not the case here. And he cried out for mercy, even though people tried to shut him up. Don't you let anybody shut up that faith cry of yours. Desperation when sincere. Listen closely. Desperation when sincere. We'll, doesn't mind looking like a fool in the face of your peers as long as you're embraced by the arms of your master. It doesn't matter if you if you got people that laugh at you. You come and pull a peat rose up at the altar. When you get your miracle and you get your breakthrough and somebody wants to make fun of you, it doesn't matter. In the end, you'll stand before the audience of one. Lord God Almighty, to give an account, and I'm gonna tell you something. I've seen the power of God released in people's lives that were broken, desperate, and hungry, and I've watched other people just get passed over because they don't want to make a scene. When you're really hungry, you don't give a flip about what somebody thinks when you're really desperate. Facts. He persisted. He wouldn't be silent because he saw that if he persisted, he'd get Jesus' attention. And it is actually quite amazing that he cried out, Son of David, and understand multitude, what that means. There's a multitude of people going by. So we know in the book of Acts, 3,000 people got saved. That's because they could count about 3,000. Maybe, maybe men and women, maybe 6,000, maybe babies, 2.5 children. Some say 20,000 people. I mean, I don't know. 5,000 people in Acts 3, X 4, 5,000 people get saved. And then it goes on to say, I believe it's uh, Acts chapter 5. They don't say 3 and 5,000 anymore. They just say multitudes because you can't count them. So like this, this evening, about 300 people here, approximately, 260. How do you know? Because I know how many chairs are here, and I'm guessing. When there's so many people that you can't figure out how many is how many there are, that's when they just go, "Ah, oh, whoa. It's Multitudes. So there's multitudes. There's not a few thousand people going by. It's more than that, and it calls it multitudes. You say, is that important? It is. It is important. Because when multitudes, come on. Come on, I want you to listen to how loud this is for a minute. I want you to say amen with everything you got on the count of three. One, two, three. (laughs) Every devil in hell just... just (laughs) running away like a scald. We should do that, but say the name of Jesus. If you, if you're demonized right now, this is going to really help you. Are you ready? Jesus on the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus. Ooh. So that's 260 people crying or screaming Jesus. What are multitudes doing That he raised the dead and healed the sick? I mean, if all the books and all the world wrote, as John said, were written about all the miracles he'd done, you couldn't fill them all. All the hard drives of the world could not contain all the miracles that Jesus did. So multitudes, I'm going to tell you, they're so loud, they're so filled with joy, they are losing their ever-loving mind. How do you hear one frail, blind guy? I mean, even if we, if we holler Jesus right now and I try to say something with a microphone, you still wouldn't understand what I would say because of the loudness of the Jesus or the amen. How is it that Jesus heard one blind guy say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me? Because he hears the cry of faith and it stops him. No matter what's going on, he hears your cry. No matter how frail and how weak you feel. No matter how insignificant, he acknowledges the cry of faith. And it stops him dead in his tracks and he turns towards you to help you. Does anybody have a cry of faith tonight? Wow. He saw by faith. Write in your notes that Jesus wanted to grant what he said, so he specifically asked, he requests, "I want to see." But what's interesting to me, it's not just that, but but the fact that Jesus asks him. I mean, why why would why would Jesus ask this man who we know to be blind Bartimaeus? Why would Jesus ask, "What do you want me to do for you?" Let, let, me link the, let me paint the picture for you. What's the problem? I have a problem with my leg. Is that obvious? Okay, so, so Bartimaeus cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. When he comes to Jesus, he, 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 he can't see. I mean, it's obvious to the Lord that he can't see. Do you understand? So why would Jesus say, what do you want me to do for you? Is that not amazing? I mean, think about that. Number one, he's trying to elicit faith because your faith matters. Your faith matters. Faith is always present in every miracle. It's not the person that always has faith. Sometimes they have faith. Other times it's the faith of the minister or the faith of Jesus. But there's always faith present somewhere in every miracle. Blind Bartimaeus is asked by Jesus, what do you want me to do? And I have seen this over the 20 plus years of pastoring. Just because somebody has a broken place doesn't actually mean they want to be healed. And they use it as a badge I've seen people use their dysfunction as a badge. I've seen people use their, because if they get healed, if they really get healed, if they really come out of the wheelchair, if they really get healed of their, their, their dysfunction of whatever's taking place, then you're not going to get your TDI check or whatever it is. You're not going to, come on, you're not going to get, you don't get food stamps anymore because now actually you can get a job. I'm preaching better than you amen. Come on. You're like, yes, he's talking about my cousin. I know that. And many times, whole families are built around dysfunction. And so as long as as you're the scapegoat or you're the black sheep in the family, everybody else's stuff is not so glaring. But when the black sheep, when the scapegoat gets healed, then all of a sudden everybody gets to see their own warts and problems and stuff. And then there's people that are so hooked on on what they get from it. People feel sorry for him. Bartimaeus is fed up with being blind. He's fed up with begging. He elicited faith from Jesus. You know, Jesus wants to change your life. He's alive forevermore. And he wants to change your life. He wants to change you. I always wanted Jesus to just come and just do it. Can't you just, can't you just like, can't you just, bam, can't you just do it? And I, and I, I frequently question, why can't you just like, couldn't it just be one touch on an altar, whack, and then I'm instantly mature. <laughs> Pastor Karen's still praying that I answer some of these altar calls. That <sighs> I'm instantly healed, instantly, now there is instant healing. And there is miracles. There is breakthroughs of power. But then then the amazing thing is, for me and, and for you, that there's a growing in your walk with God. You learn to walk with Him. The faith I have today, I didn't have 20 years ago. I've seen a lot. I've learned a lot. I've learned more. And the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know much. Wouldn't it be great if Jesus just, bam, hooked you up and took care of it? No, He wants to co-labor with you. And there are progressive miracles. We need to learn to cry out to God and partner with Him. You know, as fast as you can obey... And submit to him as, as fast as you'll get breakthroughs and miracles. Did you know that? Many people don't read the word, don't meditate on the word. They don't, they don't really want to change their lifestyle. They're not, they're not really convinced that the word of God is the word of God. So they continue to fornicate. They continue to do things that cause difficulty and pain. They're just not convinced. And over the course of time, you know, the Lord works on me. He's so gracious and merciful Aren't you glad that God is merciful with the likes of you and me? Aren't you? The result of this healing is that blind Bartimaeus, and I want you to go to Mark 10, blind Bartimaeus is no longer, no longer blind. He's freed from begging and he's freed from hopelessness. I remember the times, I remember the time in my life when this began to break off of me. What do you mean? Well, I have one of those stories. I have one of those intense stories. And I thought, I thought I'd never be able to do anything. I thought, well, maybe if you could just kill me and take me to heaven, that'd probably be pretty good because I've hurt so many people. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm, I'm serious. That's my story. I don't know what your story is, but I answered endless altar calls and had people praying for me. I, I hated Breathing. I didn't want to breathe. I didn't like looking at myself in the mirror. I had deep, I despised myself deeply. And I knew that Jesus had forgiven me, but I couldn't forgive myself. And then I realized that's actually pride. See, because if you can't forgive yourself then you're saying before the Lord, you have some higher standard than God's. And there is no higher standard than God. You're just stubborn. And it's pride turned inside out, looking like false humility. And you're unworthy because you're unworthy. You're made worthy by the blood. And these things started to be put together. I remember some of those services. Oh, I ran that night. I remember some of those services like, man, I'm going to stinking rip a hole in the world for Jesus. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm not blind. I'm not hopeless. I can do something. And I thought I was, I was like 25, 26, and I thought I was like 70. I mean, I felt like, oh, I've blown it now. I'm 27. <laughs> oh, 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 some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm 28 now. What can I ever, what are you, you're wet behind the ears for God's sake, you're 28 years old. Get a grip. Your concrete is still wet. You better do something before it sets up in a massive stronghold to keep you back. I don't care what age you are. The, we had a pastor join our staff at 80 years old. And he served God and brought about a great move of the spirit in the Filipino congregation started. Pastor Al Cantara. And he died at 106. And his legacy lives on in Maui and beyond, worldwide, really now. 80 is older than most of us. If you're older over 80, there's no one here over 80 that I know of, but they're online. In the morning, we have people that are here over 80 years old. 80 is when he started this ministry. We have somebody over 80 over, over here somewhere. Raise your hand if you're over 80. Very good. You can put in an application. Let's get you going. Amen. <laughs> no, you're over 80 years old. Well, glory to God. You have a spirit of Caleb. You, you, you're going to take your mountain. And though, the, though it's been delayed and there's been things that have seemingly held back, the revelation that you've been contending for, I prophesy to you again. He's going to release it to you, and he's going to crown your life with fatness. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. I'm going to tell a story because I can Noel and Edna, Mayor Edna and Noel have been a part of our church for, I don't know, I'm going to say at least 10 years. And um, is it longer than that? 12 years maybe? 11 years. All right, who's counting? Hopefully it hasn't been painful. 11 years. They came up and uh, Noel came up and did an offering teaching, and I believe it was Deuteronomy 8:18. Said it was his favorite scripture. Is that still your favorite scripture, Noel? Hallelujah. <laughs> and he was talking about obeying and 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 having faith. And, and he just he said, You just gotta do it. And he drops down and bangs out like 20 push-ups. <laughs> Steps up and says, Just do it. I thought, woo! Come on, lift your hands to heaven. Jesus is passing by tonight. He wants to help you. He wants to heal you. He wants to take away your begging, helpless spirit. He wants to give you hope. And I remember those some services again when, I, when the whole, all of a sudden hope filled my heart. And I went, wait a second, 25's not that that old. I thought, man, I was like, 25's not that old. That's actually young. Wait a second. I might have smoked a whole bunch of years. I might have burned things down to the ground. But I've been born again. And it was like the Lord started talking to me. It was what was hopeless with man. Was not hopeless with God. That there was not impossible that God could take my life, my shattered life, where I was blind and broken, and He could put it together and use something. That's what He did for me, and He's been doing it ever since. And I don't know what you're going through, but I'm telling you, you have been selected, you have been appointed, you have been chosen by God, as it says in John 15, to bear forth fruit and fruit that remains. God is on the throne. The devil. Power's available for you just like it was at the blind man of Bartimaeus. Quit making excuses and start crying out for mercy and get plugged in to the one who can turn you on and set you free. He praised God, and and so did the crowd. I mean, he starts leaping and, and jumping and freaking out, I'm sure. It doesn't talk about him leaping and jumping, but, I mean, he got his eyesight. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody get their eyesight all cute church experiences are over. No, I've seen people's eyes open, and they, they lose their minds. They, 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 they're like, oh, 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 my, oh, my God. And people look, and, like, they're weeping, and everybody that knows him weeping. And they, I've seen that. If you haven't seen that, it's quite a thing. And so he's worshiping, he's praising God, and the whole crowd's like, Bart, Dude. I didn't know you had blue eyes because you had, like, no eyes. And now look at that. How many hands? How many fingers? How many fingers? Four. That's right. Come on, Bart. You got your eyesight back. So he's praising God. And he's excited. Are you all there in Mark? Mark 10. Go to verse 46. Okay, so there he is. His name is Bartimaeus. There's something it says here that it didn't say in the other account. He cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's the same in the book of Luke that we read. Many warned him to be quiet. He cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Again, it's a messianic declaration. It's really like he's being... He's acknowledging that Jesus is Lord. He's acknowledging that Jesus is coming to take away his sin. He's acknowledging that he's the chosen Messiah. So it's really a declaration of salvation as well. Jesus stood still, verse 49. He called the blind man, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. And look at verse 50. Verse 50 says, and throwing aside his garment, So he's begging. He, I told you he had a garment, right? He's begging. It's, it's, a, it's a beggar's garment. So when Jesus hears him in the midst of a multitude, he hears the cry of faith. Bartimaeus gets up and throws aside his garment. He's like, I ain't begging no more. That's it. He threw aside a mentality. He threw aside his, the, 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 the identity of being stuck as a blind person and a beggar. Some of you, some of you come to church year, you know, day in, day out, or week in, week out. I should say, and you still got your little beggar garment. You need to get rid of a mentality of being broken. You get need to get rid of a mentality of being a victim. There's no victims in the kingdom. If you want to be a victim the rest of your life, if you want to stay addicted, if you want to stay afflicted, if you want to be broken in your marriage, broken in your life, broken in your emotions, that's up to you. As for me in my house. I've chosen to serve the Lord. And and not that I have apprehended it, but forgetting that which lies behind, I press on to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I refuse to be a victim. I am a victor. I am going to fulfill. I've got a garment of praise. I don't have any garment of, garment of hopelessness. I don't have a beggar's garment. Come on, I've gotten rid of that in my life. Some of you need to shake off your old garment. Some of you need to put on... It's custom-made. Well, you keep your custom-made bondage if you want to, but I'm trying to give you an out. God's speaking to us <laughs> on a number of levels. Man, it's so good to be in church and COVID-free. Come on, somebody. Ah. Keys, please. God speaking to us. You can experience a miracle every day of your life. You can experience a miracle in your life right now, today. Today could be the first day of the rest of your life. You know why I think that Mark, in the book of Mark, it says the name Bartimaeus, and I shared this on Friday, but again, Peter was... Mark was Peter's amanuensis. Peter told the stories of Jesus and all the meetings and all the miracles and all the things. And then Mark wrote down the stories of Peter. That's the book of Mark. And I think it says Bartimaeus because, well, what scholars say, if you go study this out, that when, when Mark was released, the gospel of Mark was released, that Bartimaeus was actually still in the church. So they read this at Bartimaeus, and Bartimaeus, that was me. I couldn't see, but I could see. I need some teeth right now, but I didn't have an eye. It was written about Bartimaeus, a guy in the church, and it was a testimony. Amazing. Won't you open your eyes to something more? Won't you open your eyes to the hope of heaven? Won't you open your eyes to making your life count? Throw off your beggar's garment. Jesus is passing this way. He's passing this way. Every day, as near as the words in your mouth, he'll touch you. And, and impact you and transform you. I've seen people come to church and over the years. And those of you who've been in the house of the Lord a long time, you see some come and just get so touched by God and then fade away about a month later, six weeks later. We try to desperately try to build relationship and help people walk in the dream. For whatever reason, they just want to take another lap around the mountain. I understand there's bondages and covenants and evil. All kinds of things that take place. I know what it was in my life. I didn't get all set on fire and running around the building in the first week. I needed some serious healing. But I do remember when the lights went on. They've never been turned off and they won't ever be turned off because God lives on the inside of me. I'm trying to turn the lights on. I'm trying to turn the lights on for you. Dead, blind, pharisaical religion will never give you vision, will never change your life, will never set you free from the yoke of bondage, but God, by His power, by His Word, can breathe into you and change you and touch you and raise you up to be a man of God, to be a woman of God, to be a world changer. It doesn't matter your age is. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. It doesn't matter your background or your education. God chooses you. Chooses you. He selects you. He appoints you. But you've got to be like Bartimaeus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy. I need your help. I need your anointing. I need your fire. I need your baptism. Oh God. Oh Lord. Change me change me, change me. It's not preaching, that's actually praying. It's not something I'm trying to muster. I need to be changed. Good work he begun, he will complete until the day of Christ Jesus. Don't be tripping, God ain't done with me yet. You need to be sighted. You need to have vision to understand that you might be here right now, but God wants to bring you to a new place. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages.